I'm Nora McInerney, and this is Terrible. Thanks for asking. Many of us have an idea of what homelessness is. It's the woman standing at the freeway exit with a hand-drawn cardboard sign. It's the man sleeping under the highway overpass. The person pushing an overflowing shopping cart of their personal belongings. It's sad. It's something that happens to other people. People who had bad luck, or made bad choices, or are bad people, or some combination of all of those things. And we all do what we can. We sometimes donate clothes we don't wear anymore to places we assume somehow give them to people who need them or want them. Or we give money to charities who help people. Try to find places, get them food. We talk about homelessness, but have you ever talked with a person experiencing homelessness? Probably you have and you didn't even know it. Did you know that the average age of someone in the U.S. experiencing homelessness is nine years old? That's the average age, nine years old. Did you know that one in three people is experiencing homelessness with their family? And one in 14 of the people experiencing homelessness are unaccompanied children and young adults. The point of all those numbers is not just to bum you out, but to give you stuff to think about. Because in this episode, you'll hear from individuals who have experienced various degrees of homelessness at some point during their youth. Some of the voices were keeping anonymous to protect their identities. Well, I come from a kind of dysfunctional household in a way. I'm the oldest of three girls, so I took on a lot. And I felt as if my mom, in a way, kind of envied me. And so it had a lot to do with that, which she was battling, trying to find love and was dealing with different men, but she had put me out due to a statement that the guy she dealt with said to me, and I felt as if she took his side over me and believed him, and I've been turned to the streets ever since. I wasn't raised around my family that I got in Minnesota as far as my dad's side. I was raised down south, so when I did move up here, I didn't really have like a guaranteed, stable like place to stay. I thought I did, but it turned out I didn't. I was living with my mom, and we just didn't get along. She got a new boyfriend, and she just started changing up on me, you know, everything. She just wanted me to do everything differently, not wear different clothes, certain things like that. And she just got basically fed up with having me around. I was 18, so she just put me out. The primary voice you'll hear today is from Kane Roberts. Whatever your preconceived notion of what homelessness looks like, I doubt Kane would fit the bill. Kane is really put together. He's hardworking, he's smart, he's trained, he has money in his pocket. He's compact, he's energetic, he's got a big smile, he's so funny. Where were you born? Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. Yes, ma'am. So first off, let me say, I love being called ma'am. I think I'm supposed to hate it, but I love it. I love being past whatever point of physical maturity where people address me as ma'am. I feel very grown up. And Kane called me ma'am for the entire two hours we spent together. I never met my father. My my mother, uh, somebody Mickey her when I was like, what, two years old, 
two, three years old. So she lost her mind. Somebody put something in her drink at the casino. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Kane's mother had been roofied, and it had affected her really badly. She wasn't capable of caring for her children on her own, but her sister was. After that happened, uh, my auntie who grabbed me, she was, my, you know, the garden of me. So she had three kids, and she had my mama three kids. She had all six kids? All six. And what was what was the order? Like, how old are all these kids, and where do you fall into the uh, order? I was the baby. My sister, 19 years older than me. My brother, oh, wow. 15. So oh, when okay. they, it was like my auntie age, almost like a couple years younger than her. We split the rooms, just a normal day in the house, waking up, cleaning up. We all listen. We love music. I feel like music get us closer to each other. We all just do everything together. Uh, might get to arguing and be best friends next five minutes. Uh, you want to go outside, play football, come back in. My auntie cooked meals because she had two jobs. So whenever she could, she, she did a lot. Kane had a bed to sleep in. He had food to eat. He had a family. And he had a home. For our story today, this is home number one, his aunt's house. And my family, they always were friendly, respectful. It's like they very old-fashioned when it comes to things. So I grew up very old-fashioned. Like, for example, if I wanted something, my auntie would be like, we didn't have this detergent when I was sitting on so-and-so. So now you can't get it. And it's like she kind of—and it's a good thing because you kind of know where you stand. Like, okay, she didn't have this, so when she—when you do get something, it's like a privilege. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I've never considered dish detergent to be much of a privilege, which I think is a sign of privilege— In my life, it has played the role of a helpful washing tool and a mild skin irritant, but that makes sense. If I grew up without dish detergent, I would be unhappy if my children used that Dawn Platinum to wipe down a plate that they only ate apple slices off. That's not dirty. Just rinse it with water. What else was old fashioned about how the way the way you grew up? Um, family, like you, they, we very strict on family. Like family come first. Uh, no matter what, you know, you never ask why. You just do. <clears throat> you never ask why. You just do it. <clears throat> My kids, <clears throat> listen. Kane's aunt took good care of all six of those kids. She'll wake up before us and make sure everybody's up and everybody getting dressed, doing the right thing. She put everybody in the car. And then she, she, we always, we always stop at this corner store by my house, and she gave us a cake, by about a twenty-five cents cake and a little juice, yeah, because she was a single mother raising six kids. She very strong woman, like she ain't sentimental. Say for example, if I be like, I need twenty bucks, she's like, I ain't getting you no twenty bucks, and you ain't even having to ride the house. Get out of my face! And five minutes later, come in here and get some money. You know what I mean? She don't want to be too nice on you because she don't want anything just given. She learned, that's what I learned from her, that if you want something, you got to work for it. Like when I hit 15, they kind of told me like, you know, you grown, you got to find your way. You got to get your job. You want this, this, you know, it ain't no more Christmas for you like that. That's tough love, but it's love. Kane knows that the expectation for him is that he goes to school, helps around the house and starts to earn his own money. So Kane got a job. And when he started making his own money, he started becoming more independent from his family. 
I grew up like in the streets. Like, you know, I had seen older guys and they kind of showed me the way. Just being a decent human and they knew, you know, a father fear mean a lot to a, to a you know, young man. They kind of showed me their way and I had to find my way. And I was working around the house and I was still doing the job and she expected me to get like 100% good grades. Look, from what I remember about being a very privileged, very white teenager, most teenagers, they really don't love adults putting expectations on them. And the expectations that Kane's aunt had of him, that he work, help out around the house, and go to school and get good grades, they're irritating. They're irritating to Kane. And those disagreements between him and his aunt, they start to add up. It was a lot of little things. Uh, what, it was the icing on the cake when me and her son bump heads, you know. Uh, I just felt like, you know, he didn't even live there. <laughs> he just came with her picking on me, you know, nitpicking, and it kind of got to me. And then I got in an altercation, and I decided, hey, I'm, this ain't for me. I'm gone. And I had a car at the time, so it wasn't nothing to me to just to go. So you just left? Yeah, just left. This is how it goes, just like that. One moment you have a home, and then you don't. Sometimes that shift happens suddenly, and sometimes it happens gradually. It's like that for a lot of kids who end up experiencing homelessness. It was more so, like, over time, um, being fed up with me, like, like saying little things like, you gotta do this or you gotta do that or you're gonna end up having to leave. And then one day, yeah, it was just like, you gotta leave. Well, it wasn't even a you gotta leave situation. It was like we argued so bad and I didn't want to disrespect my mom. So I was like, I'm gonna take myself out of this situation kind of thing. Yeah, she wasn't really accepting to the point where I wanted to, I felt, you know, comfortable or at home. So I did leave and I, I basically kind of made myself homeless. I was like hit with it at the last moment, saying that I had to find somewhere to go. I had just graduated high school. All I had was my high school ID. And that was from down south. That was like six, seven states away. Then I got kicked out of my, my sister's house where I was living at. So I was pretty much just out here by myself. It was about 2 in the morning. She put me out and she put my dog out. And I kind of just sat on the steps and cried. And from that day, I didn't look back because I felt as if what mother would throw a child to the streets. That wasn't real love. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. We're back. Kane just left his aunt's house. He is 15 years old. I knew things weren't going to be the same. I knew I wasn't going to look back. And I guarantee I'm a type of person, I don't care what nobody say, I'm going to succeed. I'm, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to work. I don't care no matter what. If you give me a box and you say it broke down a radio and you can't fix you tell me I can't fix it, I'm going to try to fix it. I'm determined to prove anybody wrong. Yeah. So you weren't scared? Mm-mm. No. I brought two bags, just clothes, clothes and shoes. 
Did you know where you were going? Yeah. I went to my sister's house. You show up with two bags of clothes and shoes, and what does she say to you? Oh, nothing. Just come in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember, Kane is the baby of the family, and his big sister is 19 years older than him, so she is a grown-up. My sister, she she like my mother. Like, I, I can go left, and she's still going to root me on, and she'll tell me, like, that ain't the, way, you know, the right way to go, but I'm going to support you. So this is home number two, his sister's house. And even though Kane felt the support of his sister, those adult expectations had turned into adult responsibilities when he left his aunt's house. Like I said, it wasn't nobody watching over me. Like, some days I didn't go to school. I was, some days I was skipping school just to work, just to get some money, you know? Yeah. Where did you work? Uh, I worked at a place called Moe's Southwest Grills. Okay. And did they know you were, in, you were supposed to be in high school? Yeah, my manager. Yeah. <laughs> he the one that told me, like, you want to make some extra money? Yeah. 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 Do you think you can miss school on Thursday? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kane stayed at his sister's place for about six months before he leaves for what we're calling collectively home number three. Girlfriends. After my sister's house, I had this girl. I went over her house. Now I'm going back and forth. My sister's house. I met this other girl I've been knowing. I was over her house. And her mama was really nice to me because I've been knowing this girl since high school. Then I started uh, bouncing, like, going over my friend in them house. And I had girls, girlfriends. Okay. And I was okay. going over their house and going back with my sister's house. This is called couch hopping. It's when a person doesn't have one stable place to live every night and either has to or chooses to move from place to place. That was a ongoing, continuous, kind of more like a wave where I was stable, then I was not stable. See me with bags here and there from couch to couch, sister house, cousin house, friend house. When you're in a precarious situation like this, Stability is not easy to achieve, let alone maintain. It's difficult to sustain a job when you don't know where you're going to be at night. It's difficult to practice good hygiene. It's difficult to just deal with the stress itself. It takes time to get stable, to build those habits. And the longer you're unstable, the longer it takes to get stable. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. Nobody really likes to keep asking people, like, when you couch hopping, or can I stay here, or I was just here for a couple months, or now can I, now you got to worry about where else you're going to go for a couple months. It's like, it's homeless either way it go, because, like I said, if you're not on that lease, you're homeless. It's not your own. You might not think you're homeless because you're not out in the street, like, sleeping in a, on the sidewalks and stuff, but you're still homeless. It's, that's not your own. That's the house you're living in, but it's not your own. If that person decides to wake up in the morning and say she don't want no more company, you got to leave. And there's nothing you can do. You just going to have to go outside or figure out something else. Most agencies that deal with people who experience homelessness would consider couch hopping to be instability. It's a form of homelessness. But Kane doesn't see it that way. Not for him. At that point, like, when I was in Memphis, I could never be home. It was more like just figuring things out. So in the midst of all this figuring it out, Kane decides to get trained by Job Corps. 
then that program becomes home number four. The Job Corps program is pretty cool. It's run by the U.S. Department of Labor. It's a free, sometimes residential job training program for people ages 16 to 24. It gives them training so they can build careers and independent lives. Kane spends two and a half years living there. He gets his GED, he trains to be a welder, and then he's back at his aunt's house. Back to home number one, where we started this story. So when I got there, I started working. Uh, but it kind of bothered me because I was back where I was at. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you try to find your way to success, you know, and find yourself back sitting on somebody's couch. One night, when Kane comes back from work, his uncle, who's been living in Minnesota, is there. He's visiting. I came home tired. And he was like, what's up, nephew? I'm back. I'm going to be here for like two weeks. You should come back with me. Kane is initially not excited to leave his whole family and a temperate climate to go very far north to a place where your boogers can freeze inside of your nose, a place where the snow is sometimes higher than the hood of your car. I mean, does that sound appealing? I was like, no. I do not blame him. I do not blame you, Kane. And he was like, what you doing? I said, I'm doing well. And he was like, man, they'll pay you triple, if you, you know, double if you go up north. Like, no, they'll treat yeah. you well, better than the south. So I said, forget it. I'll take the chance. And plus, he had shingles, too. Yeah. He had need somebody to look out, though. Yeah. So I took a chance. He was like, man, just come out here and visit. You can leave in two weeks. Once again, Kane just left. But this time, he knew something was different. I could feel it. I knew right in and there in my heart, like, I got scared. And I knew, like, it ain't going to be the same. It ain't going to be the same. Like, but you know, you ain't going to be the same Kane. That's the thrill of the unknown. It borders on fear, but it's mostly excitement. This is a big step for Kane, but... I'm also very concerned with how prepared he is for this move. Did you know what to pack for Minnesota? What time of year was this? It was April. 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 Yeah, I had, had shorts on. I had oh, shorts on. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> no, 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 no. No shorts in April. Not here. So Kane arrives in Minneapolis. What were some of your first impressions of Minneapolis? My first impression? Uh... That really diverse. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I really, I really, really diverse. Um, people dress a little weird out here. Over south, I saw a, a young lady dressed like Harry Potter. I was like, what? Like she had the hat, the suit. I'm like, where? This ain't Halloween. It's April. Yeah. Kane takes note of the weirdness, but he's got to be more focused on working. He came to Minnesota with four hundred dollars to his name. If he gets a job. That $400 won't really matter. The plan is to stay with his uncle in his uncle's apartment building. And this is home number five, his uncle's place. This is the same uncle who told him Minnesota was going to be much, much better than Tennessee. His house was like a closet. <laughs> it was like a closet. Like, I'm not lying. Like, you walk in, they go to bathroom. You walk straight, they go to the stove, the couch, I mean, the bed, and that's it. And I had a couch right there. Now what I was sleeping at. 
Yeah, it was like, a, I don't know. I never saw nothing. I was like, man, what you brought me to? What was living with your uncle like? Oh, my uncle, oh, he a funny guy. He, he hilarious. I, I love him to death. But, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, we had good times. Um, my first time, when, he, when I first got up here, he took me to all over. He took me to Apple Valley, to Brooklyn Park. We went to Egan, to Duluth. He had friends in Duluth. He took me to Burnsville, Brooklyn Center. And he was like, man, I took you to so many places. People in Minnesota ain't been there their whole life. They can't say they've been to Duluth. They can't say they've been. I took you in one month. So I showed you around the whole thing, really. For listeners who aren't familiar with the geography of Minnesota, our our team took a little informal survey, and many of us have not been to the places that Kane described. For the record, Duluth is, that's a heck of a road trip. It's over two hours away. Beautiful town. So Kane is settling into Minnesota. He's seeing the sights. He's still sleeping on a couch, but he got a job. Not in welding, but working as a security guard. And he's also helping his uncle out financially. I was paying them rent. I was paying them uh, $250, $280. And I was buying like, the utensil for the house, dish detergent, laundry detergent, soap, toilet tissue. So when I, when, I, when I get paid, I just go spend part 200 bucks on stuff, have supplies, and get him some money. It's hard to move to a new city and make friends, but Kane does. He meets a guy who lives in the same apartment building. This guy named Country with the same age, and he saw me. He was like, man, you looking fresh today. You looking good. What's today? I said, today my birthday. He said, man, I got something for you. He went upstairs and brought me $40 out. And he went to the store and bought some beers. He was like, man, cheer up. And we drunk. And he was like, man, where you from? I told him where I'm from. He was like, I'm from North Carolina. And he was like, I've been up here so and so so and so. And me and him related like that. Like, we, we clicked tight. Money, friends, Kane is making it happen. And then one day, his uncle, the one who lured him to Minnesota, decides um, he's changed his mind about living in Minnesota. He was like, come back, come to Memphis with me. I'm like, man, I'm working, I'm starting a new life. Yeah. I got things going. Man, come to Memphis. And I was just getting building stuff, and I saw a vision up here. I saw I could get my own place. I could get my own car. I saw it because the opportunities were hitting me right in the head, and I was grabbing them. Kane didn't want to go back. It was just when he was getting his feet under him. And he and his uncle don't reach a resolution to the argument before Kane has to go to work. After that, I was working, and I came home, and the door was locked. Uh, and you didn't have a key? I went and did the key, and it didn't work, so I was like, dang. What'd you do? Uh, I walked outside, and walked, uh, caught the train, and walked downtown Minneapolis, and just walked around. Kane's uncle was gone, presumably, had headed to Tennessee. He had changed the lock. He would disappeared. Kane had just lost home number five. So now what is home? Where does he go? You walked around till the morning? Where did you walk? I probably hit Hennepin probably like 10.30, 10.45. After 10.45, I probably walked, walked around. After I left Hennepin, probably like 1 o'clock. So I jumped back on the train. 
A lot of people in the Twin Cities use the Metro Transit light rail system to attend concerts downtown or go to Vikings games. Some people use the trains to go to the airport. For people with homes, the train is just a way of getting from one place to another. But for some people, the train is a place. The train is the destination. For people like Kane, on this night, the light rail system is a place to be, especially at night, especially at night in the winter when it's so cold you could literally die. So Kane uses the train not all night, but for as long as he needs to. After that, I, I went back to the uh, to the apartment, and I just walked around the whole little apartment thing. Until the morning? Until the morning, and then went to work. Imagine not just a sleepless night, not just a night when you're laying awake while your husband, who shall not be named, snores contentedly, not just a night where you're up every few hours for a whining cat or a puking kid, but a night where you're up and on the go all night, on alert, outside. I didn't sleep really. You know, I nod off a little, but he's actually sleeping now. Now... Imagine, after a night like that, going to work. What would it be like? How focused could you possibly be? How patient would you be with your coworkers? Kane makes it to work the next morning, even though he still has no idea of where he'll stay the next night. And you just, did you tell anyone at work, like, wow, I haven't slept in 28 hours? <laughs> no, no. No? And did you think about, like, what were you were going to do next? Yeah, get a room. Okay. Pay for it. And where? I don't know. I, okay. don't, I don't know. So I was going to have to look at my phone and mm-hmm. call around. But calling around doesn't get him a place to stay, so Kane just walks the streets. And at that point, did you consider yourself homeless? Yes. Yes. That's when I really hit, hit me. Reality hit. Yeah. It's like, oh, you better make your next move, your best move, or you're going to be out here like a lost soul. Yeah. Yeah. We're back in your imagination now. You've been wandering the world, going to work and doing your best impression of your regular, showered, well-rested self, even though you're none of these things. Consider it being you, because anybody can be homeless at any time. You've slept on couches before, you've lived with family members, but now, now you're officially, officially homeless. And you're lucky that you live in Minneapolis, a city with resources and services. But do you know what they are? Can you get in? How many beds are open tonight? Have you proven that you need one? Is it an emergency bed for one night, or do you need it for longer? And how are you going to get there? And what does all of this do to you? To your sense of self and your sense of who you are in the world? Getting put out kind of changed me drastically. It was kind of like I was lost for words. I was in a dark space. I didn't know where to turn, who to call, with me never experiencing this type of, you know, homelessness so yeah I kind of didn't know what to say being homeless would definitely mess with your mind 
a lot because you can't, you don't know if you're going to eat, if you're going to sleep, so it'll mess up a lot about you. Mentally, physically, emotionally, you kind of like, there's no way of hiding it and it's just there. Um, the things you go through, the things you see, being without to feed the kids and, you know, having not much and taking sacrifices. That's a lot of times being homeless as far as sleeping, as far as eating, as far as your health. So yeah, it go a long way. Before I became homeless, I used to like, I didn't really take it serious. I used to like joke about it a lot whenever I seen homeless people and stuff. So it's like, I don't know, somebody that never went through homelessness, they'll look at somebody that's homeless and they'll, I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll read them wrong or they'll, judge, they'll misjudge them. You don't never know. It's a lot of this, a million different reasons of why somebody could be homeless. It'd be mental issues, a lot of stuff. And I had to actually go through it myself to actually realize that. I'm not really sure how everybody else will look at it, but but I believe that everybody else look at it as, as a joke unless they go through it. Like, I don't know, you probably look at everything as a joke unless you go through it. We'll be right back. And we're back. After two days, Kane went back to his uncle's old apartment building and upstairs to his friend Country's apartment. Finally, a place to stay. Home number six, Country's couch. And then how long did it take between your uncle locking you out of the apartment and you finding a room? Uh, took like four days. Kane finds home number seven, the room. It was a room in an apartment in a Minneapolis suburb. He was renting it informally for $150 a week. God, that's a lot of money. That was beyond what he was making at his security job. So he needed to find a way to get more money and fast. It's so crazy. I'm going to tell you how it worked. One day when Kane is visiting country, he stops by to see the woman whose apartment was next door to his uncle's. She's an older woman, and she'd often ask Kane for cigarettes or ask him to run to the corner store and get her some beer. You know, and I got tired of her asking me for cigarettes, so I went to the store and bought her some, bought her a whole pack, and I bought her a beer, because that's how she drink beer. And I was like, here, I'm, you know, here, I'm tired of you, get your own cigarettes now. I'm here. She was like, thank you, you so sweet, nobody never did this for me. And she was like, you want to be my PCA? A patient care assistant is paid to provide assistance to the sick or the elderly. They do basic things like help with housework or getting dressed. In Minnesota, you need to go to a training and get certified, and then you get paid anywhere between like $7 and $10 an hour to spend time with a person and help them. But this woman is basically a stranger, and understandably, Kane is a little skeptical of this offer. But he talks about it with his friend Country. Says, look, this woman says I can get paid just to look after her in this same building where you live. He was like, oh, man, that's true. So I went back down there like, what I got to do? 
and she told me where I got to go, and I did it. But in order to work, Kane now has to get from his room in an apartment in the suburbs to this apartment building every day. It's at least a 20-minute drive, but Kane doesn't own a car. So how do you get from Bloomington to work? The train. Okay. It was on the bus line, on the train line. And thank Minnesota for the trains and buses. They, do, they really do help. You know, when people can come here and don't have nothing, they can start. They don't have to wait on nobody, call people. They can they can be depending on themselves because they trains because they, they got it. We do have good transit here. Yeah, and one thing I like about it, too, is come every 15 minutes. My Our buses don't come every 40 hour, every 45 minutes to an hour. And then the bus smoky and, yeah, dirty. These right here is very nice. Yeah, so y'all is blessed, Minnesota. Kane takes public transit to get to work and continues being this lady's PCA while living in Bloomington. But he's still not making enough money to keep paying to stay in that room. Then one day. And then I, you know, over there doing my job. She's like, where are you living now? I'm like, I see you ain't over there with your uncle no more. And I told her what happened. She's like, oh, that's so sad. She's like, I, she said, and I was telling her, I was like, still kind of getting a little messed up because I can't keep spending this money like that. And I, and I was like, I might go back to Memphis. And she was like, you can make it. I believe in you. You're a sweet person. You can stay here with me. And I was like, no. Nah. So I went back to my room. But what she said sticks with him. And he realizes that living with her is something he has to do to better his situation. So after about a month, he takes her up on the offer. And this is home number eight, the lady's apartment, where Kane's her PCA. And moving in changes his days a little bit, but it's not all that bad, because Kane's really good at this job. Wake up, boom, I get dressed, I take a shower, I clean up her house. She says she wants something to eat, I get something to eat. I mean, her just be kicking it, chilling. She had a dog named Kobe. I was helping her out with that, cleaning them, stuff like that. And I leave, go kick it with country, go upstairs. I mean, him might go downtown to a bar or something, or go play some basketball. That's how a normal day with us be. What did she like for you to cook? Uh, oh, she loved my wings. You know, I love, yeah, I got my own recipe of my wings. Like, I love to cook because I'm from Memphis. Memphis is the home of barbecuing. Stuff like that. So I grew up barbecuing age and I cooking. She loved my uh, soul food. I love. I know I cook a lot of soul food, like greens, uh, cook a cabbage for. Her. She like my meat. My meatloaf. I don't think it's that good, but she she said it is. <laughs> she loves his cooking, and the two of them just get along really well. She uh, pure, pure hearted, and what I mean by pure hearted, she accept anybody. You know what I mean? She don't judge. She she uh, she accept you the way you are. You know, and it's hard to meet people like that. Like she reminds me of my grandma, and my mama, just open arms. And that's great. But it's not stable. It's not his own place. It's not his own home. And that's what Kane wants. Shout out to country. <laughs> uh, he hooked me up with this place called this group called Youth Links. Anybody y'all hear this? If you in Minnesota. If you're 16 to 24, they'll help you with, with food, anything you want with your own place. And Country County knocked on my door and said, we're taking you up there. And when he took me up there, they, they told me what was going on. And they said, but you got to do this one thing. And I'm like, what's that? You got to go to a homeless shelter and, and get a voucher saying that you're homeless. Oh. <laughs> yeah. How did that feel? 
Oh, I didn't do it. It took me like two weeks to do it. Yeah. Why? Because I felt it, it was a pride thing. It was most like a pride. Like, this, it, it hurts, you know. Like, you know, like, just think about where I was just, you know, Charcoal, Tennessee, and I go Minnesota and go to a shelter. Who want that? But you got to put a whole lot of pride to the side. A lot of stuff you got to take on the chin. So Kane went to the shelter. The shelter was terrible. It was, you know, it was funky. It was this guy. Oh, I forgot. I forgot his name. But he was cool. I think his name was like Hot Dog or Hot Sauce. They call it like a lit night. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, he was a light-skinned guy. He was cool. And he was like, man, to be honest with you, I don't supposed to let you in because you came here at 12 a.m. Yeah. He was like, I'll imagine you a voucher. Listen, he said, well, well I let you, you come walk with me. Help me out and I'll help you out. Kane and Hot Dog walked around for five hours and they just talked. I was telling him the situation I was in, and he was like, oh, man, this is going to help you out a lot. And he was just telling about people in there. Like, you know, he, he looked at me, he like, man, I knew you ain't supposed to be in here. You look too well put, you talk too, you know, you, like you got some sense. I know you can make something. At YouthLink the following day, Kane exchanges his shelter voucher for a new voucher. They wrote me out a voucher saying I get, I get six fifty, and they'll pay it for a whole year of rent, free. I just said, go out there and find your place. I just really, I love that that exists. That makes me very, very, very grateful to live in this city. So, Kane searches for apartments, and he finds one in St. Paul. He signs the lease, and he gets ready to move in. I really was counting down. I'm being under just counting down. It was way different, because I knew I was on something way better. I made up my mouth. I looked in the mirror and told myself, I ain't sleeping on no more couches. And then it's time. For the first time in his life, after years on couches and at friends' and family's houses, Kane walks into an apartment that he rents by himself. So when I looked around, you got to go check and everything is good. Everything was good. And I uh, really, I just took a blanket and slept right there on the floor. Slept right there on the floor. This is home number nine. Kane's own home. His own home, finally. And this is not a guarantee of future success. A lot of people end up with their own place, but not everyone can keep it. Most of us have at least a moment of suspicion when we've become somewhat stable, when we've gotten anything that we've wanted for a long time. We question, is this real? Do we deserve it? But getting past the anxiety from being homeless can take years. Survival-based thinking is hard to break out of. Kane did it. He made it here to his own home, maybe that's chance. Maybe it's his ability to adapt. Maybe it's a combination of both. But Kane told me that, for the most part, he didn't feel that unease, that suspicion. He just felt good. Felt good. It felt like, you know, I, you know like I said, you, if you was at the bottom, you appreciate the top so much more. And especially when people say you can't do it. You prove them wrong, you prove yourself right. So when you prove yourself right, you prove a lot of people wrong. And it's kind of good to feel because you know 
what you can accomplish. And, you know, and just this little small little thing, I know I can succeed more. I know this ain't half what I could do. And I know that. When you don't have the stability to be able to make the basic things in your life a routine, they end up being where you need to spend all of your energy, all those little things that I take for granted, how I'm getting to work, where I can have lunch, that I'm even having lunch, where I'm sleeping tonight. I don't have to think about those things. So I I can spend all that brain space worrying about whether my Shih Tzu is well-adjusted. Does she have enough Prozac? Or also, I can do my job. I can work on the story. I can make creative things in the world. That's a, ooh, man, that's a privilege. So Kane has stability now. He starts bringing his household together. He begins to create his space, his own routine, his own home that he can count on. The first thing I bought was a uh, air mattress. My bed. Yep. And after that, I bought forks, you know, little utensils. Got to eat, little stuff like that. Then I started working with the furniture. It was so crazy. Uh, I was in the house. I told, I would talk to my partner in Memphis, and he was like, "What you, what you got in there?" And I told him, "I like, got this and I got this." He said, "You ain't got no TV." If I don't have nothing in the house, I better have a TV. <laughs> so the next day, I would have bought a TV. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I bought some curtains, man. The curtains like some king. It's like it's like a king, like a throne. Like, I gotta show you. And it was like a hundred dollar for these curtains. Jeez. Like, yes, yeah. it's a nice curtain. Kane is still living in that apartment today, without the help of that subsidy from YouthLink. Our homes can often reflect how we see ourselves. That's why my house smells like Shih Tzu pee and is covered in Legos. Kane is cool. He's mature. So naturally, that's what he wants in his home. I want to make it feel more like a, you know, you know a guy living there, you know what I mean? Like more... Like an adult. Yes. A very adult apartment. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Something real smooth and cool. You don't want to leave. You know, you want to try to come, yeah, you want to sit all, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Sit back and relax. Kane feels a sense of ownership and a love for his space. He's back home. What is home to you now? Um, home to me now, home is what you, where you make it. Like, when you say home, home is serious. Home is like love, you know what I mean? You know, there's somewhere that you're comfortable with. That's your peace zone. It's your comfort zone. You can, you know, put your guard down. And a lot of people don't know that home is where you make you like a family, a family who treats you like family. Because you born in me, if it was sister, you was my sister. If you don't treat me like a sister, you not my sister. A home ain't a home unless somebody there. A chair ain't a chair unless somebody's sitting there. It's just a chair. So that's how I look at it now. Home is just love. It's where you're comfortable, where you want to reside. It's your peace.
I'm Nora McInerney, and this has been terrible. Thanks for asking. Hans, I almost said Hans Mikakros. <laughs> well, who knows? Uh, Hans Buto is our senior producer. Marcel Malikibu is our assistant producer. Hannah Mikakros is basically everything. Jordan Turgeon does a lot of marketing stuff for us. Rose Martin, Camille Gallus, and Debbie Adder and Comey are the best, and they helped us so much with this. Thank you, pals. You can find out more about YouthLink and their programming and all the amazing work they do at youthlinkmn.org. That is a hard thing for me to say, but I muscled through it. What a hero. Thank you so much to Kane and to everybody else who shared their story with us. Uh, You can find me online. I'm Nora Borealis. That's not my legal name. It's just uh, my crowning creative achievement. Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson, and we are a production of American Public Media.